Good morning and a warm welcome to St. Paul's, whether you're here with us in person or online. I invite you to follow along with me with the text that you have just heard, which is again Luke 2, 41 to 52, whether it be on your phones, your home Bible, or in the Pew Bible where it's on page 59. Now, anyone who has seen the movie Home Alone knows that it's not difficult to lose a child, particularly when there's a lot of them running around. The McAllister family had actually swollen to 11 children with visiting relatives, and what a number of mishaps they had the night before their big trip. Power outage caused a complete blackout of their alarm clock. They arose way too late in the morning, scrambling around, did a frantic head count, which unfortunately included one of the neighbor kids, and off they went, jumped on the plane and realized mid-Atlantic that Kevin was back at home. That began a nightmare journey for the mother, who managed to get back to the US, but could only get back to Chicago from Scranton by getting into a moving van along with a traveling polka group. But she made it. The amazing thing is that Kevin, who everyone had always underestimated, spent his time managing to dupe some very wily thieves and encouraged an older gentleman to be reconciled with his family. But now I would like you to ponder the story of Jesus because I have a question for you. Was Jesus in fact lost? Or was that the perception of Mary and Joseph? Let's explore the story together. Many God-fearing people, along with Mary and Joseph, would make that long journey by foot to Jerusalem. In the case of Mary and Joseph, they made it yearly. The population of Jerusalem would swell at the time of the Passover from about 25,000 people up to about 150,000 people. So you can just imagine the excitement and the chaos that was reigning at the time in that city. Now the highlight of Passover took place in the temple, that great soaring temple. Every family would bring a spotless lamb who they would sacrifice in the temple, and it was a very dramatic scene. Shofars, which are ram's horns, were being blown. There were fires. When the sacrifice of the lamb took place, the priests would take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it at the base of the altar, and that would bring about the purification of sins for that family. Therefore, this yearly trip to Jerusalem was extremely important in keeping people in right relationship with God. While the Passover celebrations lasted for a week, it was understood that if one had livelihoods to tend to and a long journey, it was only mandatory to stay for three days, as in the case of Mary and Joseph. But if one so desired and if one was able to, if you stayed for the whole week, then the religious teachers were present for that whole week in the temple, available to answer questions and engaged amongst themselves in some very interesting religious discussions. What's intriguing is how long it took for Mary and Joseph to find Jesus. 
Clearly, there was a disconnect between where they expected to find a 12-year-old and where he actually was. Perhaps they first headed to the marketplace. Wouldn't that be logical? Imagine the excitement for a child of all the piles of sweets, of all the objects that had come from around the world and were glistening and gleaming. Imagine the throngs of children that were playing games and shouting out and had come from all over. So it's natural that Mary and Joseph likely would have gone there and, to their horror, likely would have heard a ream of stories about the potential things that might have happened to Jesus. Some helpful man, oh yes, I saw a boy that met that description. He was being dragged up the road toward Bethany. Finally, retracing their steps back to the temple, what they encountered was shocking to them and presumably everyone present. As a boy of 12 years old, the age at which boys would only just be beginning their religious education, Jesus was the center of attention in that temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Was Jesus lost? No, he knew who his father was and where he was supposed to be. The alternate translation of my father's house is my father's business. So what was Jesus' father's business? At this time, Jesus' father desired Jesus to be in the temple and to be part of the religious discussions the people at the time were suffering under oppressive Roman rule. And so their religion and the meaning of their tradition would become increasingly important to them. They may have been looking to the word of God for assurances of blessing and peace if they obeyed God's law. Just as in the past when God delivered their people over and over again, there was also the anticipation of a messianic king who would restore David's throne. Wouldn't it have been amazing to have been able to hear young Jesus as he asked his questions and as he gave his astonishing answers? Perhaps he was speaking about God's radical and unconditional love and the importance of loving God and loving others. Perhaps he was asking people what Messiah meant to them. Now, we've heard some great sermons here during Advent and over Christmas explaining why Jesus needed to become human to bring about God's great promises for mankind. I would recommend listening to all of them if you haven't already. How about you try binge watching Christmas sermons rather than Netflix this time of the year? For Jesus, being about his father's business included being born in human form in a stable, then teaching God's ways, starting as a 12-year-old, as we hear today, and then becoming the ultimate Paschal Lamb. 20 years later, back in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, Jesus would voluntarily offer himself as a sacrifice for us, allowing us to be reconciled with God forever. 
When I was a medical student at University of Toronto, I was part of a Bible study group where I first encountered the significance of this concept of what Jesus had done for me, and it had a profound life-transforming effect on me. I began to pray a lot more, and I really wanted a, a personal relationship with Jesus. One day while praying on a bus, the bus turned a corner, and into view came the great outline of the CN Tower. And intriguingly, I had a striking visual image of Jesus stretching out his arms towards me and saying, touch my wounds. I tried to understand what this meant, the superimposition of the CN Tower and Jesus and his wounds. And I got the idea that this must mean reaching out to hurting people in Toronto and trying to help them. And this did lead me to do work with homeless youth, and it did culminate in the formation of a small health clinic. I subsequently moved to New York, where I developed a research program that mainly focuses on helping underprivileged people with diabetes all around the world. But all through this time, I kept wondering, was there something more that that image was trying to say? After 25 years in New York City, I returned to Toronto for a sabbatical in order to pursue a long-time interest of studying theology. And then the pandemic hit. Like so many of you, the pandemic has been very challenging for me with all the isolation and the loss and the uncertainty about the future. For many of us, this has also been a time of recognizing our collective guilt over how we have treated this planet and how we have treated our fellow human beings. We can now, maybe better than ever before, come to recognize our brokenness. But where can we find healing? Recently, I caught sight of the outline of the CN Tower silhouetted against the night sky. I remembered that image of Jesus and his words, touch my wounds. Suddenly it hit me. Maybe the point of touching Jesus' wounds was to bring us healing from our guilt, our fears, our discouragement. In the words of the prophet Malachi, hail the son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings. Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, I challenge you today with this question. How are you doing right now? Are you wounded? Are you feeling lost? Are you looking for solace in the marketplace, in entertainment, etc.? How might we instead turn to Jesus for healing and purpose? So I will once again turn to the great wisdom of home alone. Kevin visits a church on Christmas Eve and is sitting listening to the choir rehearsing and is joined by his elderly neighbor who he's never spoken to before. And suddenly, it starts to dawn on Kevin that he has not been what he would like to be. He's been a pain. He's been rude. He's been mean to his family, and he really regrets this. And so the wise old man Marley says to him, this is the place to be when you're feeling bad 
about yourself. Of course, we would also like you to come to church when you're feeling good about yourself. But what was old man Marley getting at here? We come together as a church community to pray together, to confess our brokenness, and to receive forgiveness through Christ. As the world swirls in chaos all around us, we come together to pray for our broken lives and this broken world. Even more importantly, we come together to physically touch and receive the broken body of Christ given for us, given for our healing and our wholeness. And we can also come together to come to know Jesus through his word. We'll have a particularly exciting chance to do that very soon with the E100 initiative, in which we'll have the chance to study the 100 most significant passages of Scripture. If you should choose to do so, and I would strongly hope that you will, may you experience the same delight of studying God's Word as if you were hearing the boy Jesus teaching in the temple. And may you rejoice in the loving goodness of God, who, because of Jesus, we in turn can now call Father. I invite you now all to pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you were so obedient to your Father's business, that you were born in this dark world, taught us all a different way to live, and then died as the perfect Passover lamb so that we could be healed from our brokenness. Help us to reach out to you just as we are today, knowing that by your wounds we will be healed. Amen.